Boo. Did I scare you? What up, fellow podcast listeners, and welcome back to Giovanni Andrioli's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. Nailed that first try. Can't think of any way I could possibly correct that. Alright, everyone, it's spooky season. You know what that means. Halloween's right around the corner, and it's time to kick back, grab the popcorn, turn off all the lights, and cuddle up behind a blanket, and hide behind the couch if necessary, and watch some horror movies. Now, this is a tradition that's pretty new for me. I don't usually tend to watch, or I didn't usually tend to watch a lot of horror movies. just wasn't my genre when I was younger, but the older I get, the more I get into them, so it's uh, it's really fun to talk about them. And looking back on my catalog, I didn't realize until this point the degree to which this podcast has been informed by my horror movie, like, watching. Like, I didn't really think about it until now, but I mean... The first episode of this podcast, I talk about Scream, and then, like, I think the third, I talk about Halloween, the new one, and then, like, I don't know, I have that whole episode about Candyman, I don't know, I feel like I've talked about them pretty steadily throughout the the whole course of my current catalog, but whatever, beside the point, I'm gonna try to create an annual Halloween special, so this will be the first one, the 2019 edition, and then try to do this around the same time every year and cover a couple different movies uh, every every time out. So this time, I was very excited to cover the three biggins, you know? The big three, the top, the creme de la creme, if you will. Uh, these are all the big slasher icons and the OGs. So I'm talking the first Halloween, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and the first Friday the 13th. Whew. And now these episodes tend to get a lot, pretty long-winded. And I know that a lot of you listening might not enjoy horror movies as much as I have grown to. It's definitely an acquired taste. So I'm going to try to keep this episode a little shorter. I know I say that every time, but for reals this time, I'm going to try to do it. And, um... And yeah, without further ado, let's uh let's jump right in. I want to start with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street because I want to save the best for last. So we're gonna start with the second best. This uh this movie I came to for the first time uh, this this week, like uh, Thursday maybe. I think I watched this on Thursday. It is a Saturday now. And uh, Amanda, I I really like this. I did enjoy this a lot. This is really awesome. And like I said, it's definitely my second favorite of the big three. I think what I was attracted to most from the jump was, like, it has got really, really cool visuals. And the fact this movie deals so heavily in dreams means that it's... You have virtually limitless possibilities as to what can be explored in terms of, of visuals. I mean, obviously, there's limits because... It just wasn't a time where like, you could do literally anything in a computer. But, um, but I mean, they do a lot of really revolutionary effects. I mean, to their credit, for the most part, I mean, there's definitely some cheesy effects towards the end, especially when Freddy's in the real world. Uh, full spoilers, but uh, when, when she... Like, when she finally turns around and she's like, I don't believe in you, and he tries to 
hit her and he's like ah, and it looks like he was uh it looks like when you kill a boss in like double dragon 2 or something and they just go like uh, and then they it was it was so weird and janky that wasn't that was not great but a lot of this is really effective like the stuff with her friend and the body bag with Tina and the body bag that was really creepy and effective like the the way she gets dragged but like it's in, it's invisible and she's getting dragged through the school or um even like when she's writhing on the ceiling that stuff is really creative and the fact that it's you know this was actually done practically i think lends to the creepiness because you can tell that that's actually happening there's no sense of like yeah but i mean that's just like a background that they made in a computer she's just on a green screen whatever that blood's probably not even real like no that was real blood that room was actually upside down like all that stuff you know that's that's really cool and actually if you didn't know how they did that they used um a fully rotating set so they built basically like a cube that was her room and they had it kind of hooked up the way you know they do those training simulators for astronauts where they put you in like a cage kind of thing and they like jumble you all around to get you used to that sensation when you're going up into space it's kind of like that so it's it can fully rotate and they have it her she's the only thing not strapped down but the camera bolted down all the casting crew they're all strapped to you know different parts of the room that are out of frame and she's the only thing well, well, obviously, all the set dressing is also bolted down, but she's the only thing that's loose. And so they start moving the set once they call action. And so she's just, like, you know, freaking out and writhing and going crazy up there. And and so that's kind of how you get that zero-G, like, defying gravity effect. And it's really, really cool. And then the they did the same thing with when the blood explodes from the bed when her boyfriend gets, like, sucked down into it and everything. And what they did with that was there's, like, a cut hole underneath the bed and, like, through the sheets and stuff. And they were just dumping gallons upon gallons of fake blood through it. And they had everything upside down, obviously, because this room, same set, but just different set dressing, has been rotated upside down. So they're dumping it in from off, uh, off camera, and... The the kind of funny thing that happened was, so as this blood is all hitting the other side of the room, it starts to become really unbalanced, the set does, and it starts to, like, rotate completely off course, and it just starts, like, like teetering everywhere, and eventually the blood works its way to a window, and so the, because it is, it's tilted, the weight of it has tilted the set, like, a full way around. It's just sloshing around in there, and it, like, shoots out this window and covers the entire crew that's outside. So all of a sudden, they're just covered in blood, and it's like, um, that's a wrap. So, I mean, that's, that is crazy. That's a very odd and interesting story, but, like, it goes to show it's very ingenious how they did a lot of these effects. I think a lot of it is really cool. I mean... Like, like from the jump, even before that, the stuff with him where she runs past that tree and he's, like, he's behind the tree and you can barely, like, it was so sudden the way he's just there. Like, that was really cool. Uh, 
I don't know, just a lot of the visuals, like, some of the stuff that he does with, like, the the maggots and the bugs and, like, the different color, like, kind of blood and just the makeup um, and the general look of him. That was all really creepy. His performance is really good. This is Robert England as Freddy Krueger, and I think this was this was part of the problem they had with casting for this character was they were trying to avoid another, like, silent killer, which was something that had happened with, um, you know, Michael Myers is just a, a silent, very bulky killer, and the same with Jason. So this, they're trying to negate that and do something a little different. You have somebody more live, more youthful, and he, um, they were trying to cast around that, and they just couldn't quite find the right thing. And eventually, the way they settled on Robert England is he can play this kind of delight in, like, torturing these kids, like, just making their life living hell and, like, trying to kill them. Like, the... He's always laughing and he's always very energetic. Like, he's not just silent and, like, stiff and just walking towards you, which is, which is something that works really well in something like Halloween. But for this, what they're going for with this, it's it doesn't quite translate. So when they found that he could bring that to the performance, it was like, done, he's cast. And I think that was a really great decision and something that makes... That's, like, probably the single... Even more than the unique power set, that's probably the single best thing about Freddy as a character is, you know, he's a he's a true character. He's very emotive and expressive, and I like that a lot, too. Uh, there were there were a few things I didn't like. Uh, I, I definitely did not like the mother's performance. She seems like she's in a different movie than everyone else. And I um, definitely, towards the end... The way they're treating this situation, it's one of those classic, like, 80s movies where the adults don't believe the kids. And to some of those, like, it, it makes more sense when they're younger kids. But I think when you know that there is, uh, there was a murderer named Freddy Krueger who killed people and wore an outfit very similar to the one your daughter is describing. And she somehow knows all of this, despite you never mentioning it. I think I'd be a little more worried than just like, oh, you need to get some sleep. Like, mm, that that seems a little iffy. And like, where did you get that hat? Like, you know she didn't have that hat. Like, where did you, where do you think she got that cut from? Where do you think she just got those shocks of gray hair? Like, like some of this should, I mean, I understand at first maybe being like, okay, you're just freaking out. This was really traumatic. You need to get some sleep, take some time to yourself. Like, that I understand, but once you start seeing physical evidence, I feel like you should have more of a reaction than, like, you know what you need is some Tylenol PM and a good nap. Like, I, I don't know, that didn't play well to me. And even just a lot of her line delivery, like, oh, I guess you don't think murder is serious. I was like, oh, barf. But, I mean, it's not a huge deal. I just think that maybe, I mean, I can't attest to how good this actress is. I've never seen her, I've never seen her in anything else, so I don't know. Uh, but I think either a better actress or a different actress would have just uh, elevated a lot of the scenes where Nancy and her mom are in it together. But, I mean, even still, it's a little, I mean, it, it's small potatoes if you really consider it. Um, and then I guess also, 
kind of part of that is how they don't take... She's like, Dad, seriously, come over here, bust down my door. And he's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do some stuff over here. But, like, you are right across the street. And you know that she is in very immediate danger because this horrible murder just happened to her boyfriend. And before that, it was her best friend. So maybe you put two and two together and think, oh, I probably shouldn't leave my daughter's side. These cops can handle it if they really, really need me. Literally, I am across the street. Like, I don't understand why he's he's still resistant to that. Like, like clearly, it, and, and obviously he knows that they killed Freddy before. So, I don't know. Just, I feel like all this should be adding up to the point where all these characters are uncontrollably careening towards Freddy towards the end of it. But, I, I mean, I guess not. I don't know. Oh, and then that freaking idiot. I actively wanted to kill that other cop who she's like busting through the windows and screaming for help and he's like oh hold on and then she's doing it again like on the first floor and she's like daddy daddy help and he's like oh uh, I, be- I think i better go get the chief and i was like you yeah you fucking idiot obviously you should go get the chief and then he goes so there's fire on the steps. He's never really questioning why is there fire on the steps. And then and they have this whole crazy thing where they see the mom get taken away and like the bed starts glowing and then all this weird crap is going on and and then he just comes up fire fire's put out downstairs and I was like, "Oh my god. Can you just get out of this movie?" That that guy. Mm. I did not like that guy, but whatever, don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, I guess some other things that I, I did like. Uh, the ending, the idea of it, I liked. I think the execution was a little botched. I do like how impressionistic it is, though, and how it's a little bit open to interpretation. I, I like that a lot. And I did like how, towards the end, it sort of became Home Alone, but with Freddy. That was interesting, too. So, I mean, all of that, I, I liked the, that a lot. And I think another thing that was really strong for for this story is the element of sleep slash sleep deprivation, which is, I think that was really interesting. I like how quickly you can fall asleep and then just as soon as you're asleep, he has a hold of you. Like you're, I mean, they even kind of say this in the movie, you're in his court now. Like I, that's really cool. It's just, that's his domain and you... It's very difficult to best him there. That's why she only really gets the upper hand in the real world. I like that a lot. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I do think they could have done more with sleep deprivation. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever really read up on what that does to you, but the longer you go without sleep, eventually you can get to the point where you start hallucinating. I think that's about like five to six days in is when you start hallucinating. And it can be like very vivid, like auditory... And, um, like, you can see it. Uh, so I think that could have even added to it if she starts hallucinating Freddy. And then that adds to the confusion of, like, I mean, is this real? Is she dreaming? I've seen like she was awake, but she can slip into sleeping really fast, especially if she hasn't been sleeping for, like, a week. I think that just could have added to it, especially since this movie is really tight. I mean, this is 92 minutes. Like, you could have added an extra 10 that... I did that, no problem, but, um, 
I mean, overall, that was just something I th- I thought could have been interesting. But as it is, I mean, this is a really tight, really, uh, really creepy, and I think overall really well put together movie. So regardless of a few shoddy effects and performances, I mean, I think this is really well written, really atmospheric, really creepy. Freddy is an awesome character, and I would highly recommend this movie, especially around this time of year. And then, um, I don't have as much to say about this one, especially not as much to say positively. Uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is a really good movie, uh, regardless of the fact that it was kind of following in Halloween's footsteps to a certain degree, and, um, you know... Uh, Friday the 13th is not. It's like, what if we did Halloween, but terrible? Okay, listen, I really try very hard to separate my 2019 mindset from something that was made, like, 30 years ago. But, uh, oh god, not 30, almost 40 Holy crap, I just made myself feel old, and I'm not even that old. Because it'll be 2020 next year, and this movie was made in 1980. So that, that's almost 40 years old. Oh my god. Anyway, um, this movie sucks. I did not like it very much, and I didn't actually end up finishing it. I know that's very unprofessional and goes against my quote-unquote job description, but, uh, oof, man, I really, really hated this. So like I said, I tried my very hardest to distance myself from, you know, like the horror movies I've seen now and grown accustomed to and the stuff I see advertised. I mean, that's that's a lot of evolution. Like, it took a long time to get there. It took movies like Nightmare and Friday and Halloween to get there. But mm, I, this one is just, it's very hard. I don't think that it's quite the type of movie that you can just give into wholeheartedly, regardless of how dated it might be. Because I just think this is not a very good movie. It was made very cynically and very obviously to cash in on the post-Halloween slasher boom. Uh, Halloween kind of kicked off that genre, and this is very clearly a very superficial read of everything that made Halloween great. It's It hits on the tropes, and the story beats, and the general structure without ever understanding what made that movie so great or effective. I mean, you've probably figured out by now, I said I'd save the best for last, and it's not like there's a lot of choices, so obviously I like Halloween the best of these three selections, and I definitely like this the worst. This is not a good movie at all. I was immediately struck with how crappy it it just generally looks like it's just not very well made or put together and it it lacks like the artistic uh value that i think is so inextricably tied to movies set around this time of year and obviously this isn't set around this time of year but it is evoking imagery that we cannot disassociate with halloween so it was very surprising to me that especially this movie really lacks a lot of that atmosphere that i would have expected Uh, this is, uh, this is such a bland aesthetic, and it's shot so poorly. The score, while iconic, I think is just kind of distracting in this movie, and I think that the characters are so stupid, and uh, my god, did I really not like this. And Jason, 
I was not scared by him. I don't think he's a very cool character. I mean, I like the premise. I really do. And I think there's definitely room, maybe in some of the sequels, which I probably will never watch. Uh, this does get improved on, but I am I feel really bad. But I, ah, man, I just couldn't get into this at all. And I know a lot of people love it. So if you're listening to this and you love it, I'm sorry. I just can't get into it. Um... I will highlight what I think was my favorite scene, and that was when this counselor, I don't even remember her name, it doesn't matter, she's like hitchhiking around and she gets in the like a jeep, and we never see the driver, right? But we see from his perspective, and I it, it starts out with a perspective shot, which is very clearly meant to mimic Halloween. Uh, and like many things, it was just done so much better in that film. But um, this is another perspective shot where you see her from the driver's perspective, but you don't see the driver. And um, like I said, I didn't finish it. So maybe we get like a flashback revealing this later. I doubt we do, but, but maybe he's not wearing the hockey mask. But I think the implication here is that she got in a jeep of some random creepy-ass guy who's, like, eight feet tall, carrying a machete, and has a hockey mask on. And, like, maybe he wasn't carrying. And I don't even think it's a machete at this point. But at least a knife, because he kills her later. And then, what was his plan? He starts speeding up, but, like, dog, if you hit a tree or, like, go over an an overpass or something, like, what? You're going to die, too. I mean, he's not immortal or part of whatever, like, weird cult that, like, happens as this goes on. Like, that might be Halloween. That is Halloween, but I feel like there's something in Friday the 13th that's, like, a cult or... I don't know. I don't remember. But, um... But, yeah, I don't... I don't understand. Like, I don't even know what his plan was. Was he trying to get her to jump out of the car? Because she jumps out of the car, and then she starts running into the woods... And then you see from his perspective as he kills her, but like, unless I'm, unless I really missed something, like I really checked out and he didn't have the hockey mask until later, like, oh boy, I don't, I don't like it and I don't understand it and uh, this movie's stupid. Uh, on to the next, don't watch this. Halloween is fantastic. It's so good. Okay, I talked about... A concerted effort to distance myself and my current opinions from uh, from what was, you know, made back then and how much we've evolved since then, how different things are, and how a lot of things can come off as dated and try to appreciate it and take it into account, but not let it affect my overall enjoyment of the movie. Every time I watch this, it comes, it becomes a little more dated, and that becomes a little harder to ignore, but... In contrast to Friday the 13th, I think that that only adds to its charm, whereas with Friday the 13th, it just kind of made me want to jump out of the second story window of my movie room and end it all. Uh, Just kidding, that got really dark. I'm just joking, just joking. Um, I I don't even know like where to start with this movie. This was probably the first real horror movie that I watched, like, I decided I was gonna sit down, I think I got it out of the library, this was probably two years ago, two, three years ago at this point, and I just decided to watch away, and 
immediately I was struck by this movie. I mean, it's just got such a great atmosphere, and the music is fantastic. And um, the opening shot, I I knew it was a kid. I knew I'd seen that image before, but it was still really well done and put together. I'm a sucker for one-take sequences, and this is a shining example of such. And, I mean, yeah, just the the sound and the look of this and and seeing all the mental patients roaming in the yard seeing him uh his his mask and just him everywhere around the town I, man a lot of that stuff really stuck out in my mind so yeah every time i see it i think i appreciate it more and more and the artistry of it and how revolutionary this was and just how well made this movie is it really blows my mind i think one of the keys uh, to horror is a different perspective, is someone who has a unique sense of how to scare you. Because I think a lot of the best horror movies come from directors who weren't traditionally associated with that. Like, I mean, just in more recent memory, Jordan Peele, like, went from very, you know, strictly comedy to making some of the the better and more popular horror movies of recent years, and um. And then this is another example of that too. John Carpenter admitted he never wanted to make horror. He wanted to make westerns. But his different eye, his different look into this world it was something that made this movie extra special and is kind of like a lightning in a bottle cap like quality that could never be truly recaptured to the point where a lot of the sequels are just kind of poor imitations of what he did in this movie, but it it can't really be matched. There's just something very special about it. And I think part of it is the matter-of-factness of this world, of just how we are thrown into it, and it just, it is what it is. It's very normal for the most part, but then a lot of this stuff, it's just, it's shot in a way where it's, you know, oh man, I don't even know how exactly to describe it. It's not, like, ceremonial. Like, there's nothing overtly, um, like, stylistic about it, I guess. Like, it creates atmosphere just by being true to life. Like, it really enhances that every town USA, like, this could be your neighborhood, your street. This could be a night in an, in October in your town. Like, I think that's one of the best parts of this movie and why you know, that, um, that the terror is so visceral is because it's so true to life, and I think a lot of that is just the simplicity of a lot of the direction, and a lot of the, the bluntness, the bluntness to this movie, I think that's, that's a big part of it, but then, yeah, just, you can feel the October, like, the, the leaves, and just the general, the way the film stock looks, and the color palette, it just, it feels like a, like a late October day, and I love that about this movie. Uh, I mean, and it was shot in California, so capturing that was just, man, what a stroke of genius. Uh, so, I want to say, actually, from the beginning, I watched, last night, I watched, well, part of Friday the 13th, and Halloween, with uh, my best friend, Josh, and Josh has never seen, really, any horror movies, and we mutually agreed after trying Friday for the first time that it was a hot pile of afterbirth. And we decided to try Halloween. 
And he knows that this is my favorite horror film. So, you know, we were kind of trying to watch it. And it was cool to see the opening shot have the same effect on him that it had on what I've, you know, gathered from from articles and, like, accounts of that time. Like, how really effective the opening scene was. Like, the confusion and, like, the kind of the surprise and horror that comes from it turns out this is a kid. And I, like, that was really cool to see. And, I mean, we didn't end up finishing it. He had to go home at a certain point, but I I know that that was probably a highlight of the experience, you know, what I got to watch with him. So that that was really cool. I just thought I'd throw that in there. But, yeah, this just catapults the story forward in a really interesting way. And I think that, that after this point, this movie is, like, really well-paced. I love the slow burn kind of quality of it just steadily building up suspense and terror, and I love that Michael is in so much of this movie, and I love that because a lot of times you see articles that are like, movie villains whose screen time will shock you, and it's like, Darth Vader is in Star Wars for less than 10 minutes or whatever. That's not accurate, but it's something that's really small. And the point of those articles is to prove to you how screen presence can contribute to, like, everlasting memories and classic characters, but it's more about how they use them than actually how often they're on screen. But I think in this, he's got a large amount of screen time, but most of it, he's not doing anything overtly threatening. He's just there. Like I said, matter of fact, he's just there, he's just watching, and I think that's really creepy. And what I love is because of the atmosphere of this movie and because they spend so long building up suspense, by the time it gets dark in this night, you are constantly searching the frame for Michael because he could be anywhere, because you have seen him everywhere, and you know by extension that means he could be anywhere where these scenes are taking place. I think that's one of the best parts about this movie. I I truly love that. Like, that is really, really awesome. I do think that uh, there are some things that could have been done better in the climax, and I, I would not contest the fact that this is one of the better horror movie climaxes ever, especially the final shots and... Uh, and on all the way that goes down. I love that. But the, the only thing, I think we never should have seen Michael without the mask. And I think everything with her hiding in the closet, I think that's kind of dumb. I don't know why you would hide in the closet. That just seems like a bad move. But I do love a lot of the shots and how eerie it is and how she's made this promise to not let anything happen to these kids. I love how that's set up. And... I just love the way Michael looks, just the way he, he looks creeping in through this house. And when he sits up behind her, that's a classic shot, and that's fantastic. The The way he lays out these creepy set pieces for her to walk into, I like that too. All of this is fantastic. And the desperation and terror of her running to those neighbors and just getting turned away. And he's just there behind her, not stopping, not even speeding up. He's just walking and that's man is that eerie that is fantastic i love that Uh, i i do love almost everything about this movie i will say just for the sake of 
uh, throwing in at least a few curves. Uh, one of the more dated elements of this movie is definitely Dr. Loomis, and as the series goes on, it it's progressively more of that thing. I think I mentioned a couple episodes back where he just kind of, his function in the story is to come in and tell the newer characters, this is pure evil! You don't understand what you're dealing with! He has black eyes! Or whatever he says. Um, but that isn't quite as apparent here, so it's not as big of a problem for me. The thing I don't like is the way he, you know, the way he is at the end. I mean, he's just generally a bad doctor, and he spends many hours just hiding behind a bush, like, and not even well. Like, listen, I'm a teenage boy. I've played quite a lot of Manhunt. If you're in the dark in a residential neighborhood and you're playing Manhunt, dog, there are so many places better that you could be hiding in that block than just, well, I'll just uh, be in this this uh, this bush. Not in the bush, actually. Just to the side. Like, the, the cop sneaks up behind him. Are you freaking... Are you kidding me? Like, Michael's not going to be able to sneak up behind him? I mean, come on. And it's not even a good vantage point. You're not going to see anyone until they're, like, right there. And then you're not even going to be able to get to them fast enough. Like, it's just... It's a really dumb plan. And he does look really stupid, just loosely crouched behind those bushes. Uh, but but to be honest, that is one of my only complaints about this movie. Uh... If you have seen this movie, though, I do have a question for you. Do we ever know how he gets the mask? Because Josh actually asked me this. He's like, where's the mask come from? And I was like, oh, well, it's a William Shatner mask that they painted white and cut the eye holes out of. And he's like, "Uh, well, yeah, but in the movie. And I was like, you know, I do not know. And, uh, and then we come to the scene where they're smoking and they have to put out the cigarettes because their dad's right there and he's you know taking stock of this hardware store robbery and he's like oh it must have been some kids they stole uh some ropes and some halloween masks and a couple of knives and i was like first of all you're being way too casual about that but whatever and then i was like oh he must have got the mask from the halloween store but that doesn't really match up timeline wise because if he stole that either they have the worst response time ever or like that no one noticed that 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 was ringing until that moment because i mean cuz she sees him in the neighborhood as he's going home she sees the, the dad and uh, cuz it's that it's that classic line of it's halloween i guess everyone's entitled to one good scare right but at that point michael has already been stalking her so therefore already has the mask so it's just i wonder where exactly he got it because like I said, it would make sense if maybe he casually said, like, oh, I just came from the... I don't I don't know why he would say this, but... Just came from the store, they stole some Halloween masks or something. Like, that would maybe make sense. But just... I don't know. It doesn't totally line up. So, if there's an explanation, I'd love to hear it. But I don't really think there is. Anyway. All right. All right. I think I've said all I wanted to say about that. I am um I'm I'm happy with this episode. I think this turned out well. Uh let me know what you thought of it and what are some of your favorite Halloween movies. 
are there better Friday the 13th movies? Please let me know. I really hope there are. There can't be many worse. Um, but before I get out of here, I know I missed Grayfuls on the last podcast in the spirit of having nearly forgotten how to record one. I guess it only makes sense. So I would like to say that I'm grateful that it's fall. Just straight up. I love everything about fall. The iconography, the aesthetic, atmosphere. And I said that a lot in this episode, but it's very indicative of how I feel about fall. And I love everything about it. I love the leaves. I love apples. I love apple cider. I love pumpkins and jack-o'-lantern and pumpkin-flavored everything. And I love spooky, um, spooky decorations. And then... Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for Thanksgiving. Christmas, I mean, sure, I guess, it's fine, but like, Halloween and Thanksgiving, that's where it's at. That's the shit. Oof, I love fall. Okay, if you also love fall, tell me about it. You can hit me up on Instagram at moviesandmorepod, which is... Uh, the show's Instagram account, that's where I'll post uh, teasers for new episodes and updates for when episodes have dropped. And then, if you want to talk to me personally, see some pictures that I've just posted of my life, you can hit me up on Instagram at geovandrioli1. If you want to email a show, Instagram ain't really your thing, I totally get that. It's not really my thing either. I kind of low-key hate it. But uh, you can email me at g... no. That... no. Nope. You can email me at moviesandmorepod at gmail.com. Probably shouldn't give out my personal email address. And then, um, yeah, if you really enjoy the show and you want to see more, you want to get it popping up in those searches, get it more popular, you could always tell a friend or you could uh, leave a review. Five stars would be preferable. Just do it right in app. Takes like a minute and it really helps out. Uh, I'd greatly appreciate it. But until next time, I want to thank you as always for listening and stay spooky.